Oh yeah, oh yeah. Another episode of Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. Jeremy Booth, Jason Bristol. You know, Jeremy, the one thing I did not expect, the one thing I did not expect the other day when I opened up Twitter was the uh, a report from Jeff Passan saying the use of gas station sexual enhancement pills in baseball is so prevalent that MLB sent out a memo warning players that their use could lead to positive PED tests. I, I uh, that's a new one for me. I gotta tell you, that's that's not one that. And I imagine you've seen a lot in your time, Ooh. especially as a player. But this, yeah, you stop. I mean, even when you're scouting, you stop by on the road and you stop by a gas station and you got to fill up and you see these things. I don't think you ever thought about taking them before, but hey, I guess guys are looking for extra energy. I don't know what to tell you. Well, the Astros are going to have to take something. Let me dial that back. The Astros are going to need a little something extra right now. A boost. Because Ryan Presley, all-star setup man, heading to the disabled list, the report's coming out. Is this part of a bigger issue now when you consider, well, they have issues at the back end of their rotation, and now you've got some issues in the back end of this bullpen? you got to talk about pitching depth, right? And pitching depth with this club this year has never been strong. Um, I know there's been, let's say, some debate in the Houston fan community mm-hmm. about the depth in the system. Um, I think we're seeing that now. And certainly with the trade of Bukowskis and, and Corb Martin being injured, right? There just isn't any, a whole lot there. There's a couple of pieces that can help you a little bit. And look, the guys that have come up so far deserve a lot of credit and a pat on the back for helping in spurts. But they're just like Tyler White and Tony Kemp. Might be good people, good stop gaps, good fillers, but they're not people that you can win over a long season with or they'd be here, right? So... Um, Look, the Granky trade addressed the starting depth. Peacock staying in the bullpen the rest of the way. With Cole hamstring, that's tough. That can be that's an that's an iffy type thing. And Aaron Sanchez, while off to a good start in Houston, being back with an injury injury and on the IL now, man, that's uh that's gonna put a lot of stress back in the bullpen when you're trying to get James back. You're trying to get Peacock to stay there and get comfortable. When you're setting setting yourself for the playoffs, you'd already don't have McCullers till next year. Um, and the playoffs are one with stuff on the mound. It's not about the bats. It's one with stuff on the mound. So it's a bigger problem. They're going to have to find a way to address. There is so much to talk about on this podcast. Oh, boy. The one thing... Let's do this. Let's go to another recent call-up, Abraham Toro. Okay. Abraham Toro called up. A utility guy, can play a lot of positions, has hit... Big yep. time in the minor leagues. Yep. I know he's not an aircraft carrier, right? right? One of your aircraft carrier prospects. The fact that he's being called up and say, not the, not Ted, not Kyle Tucker, is this a position thing or is there something deeper going on? And number two, why haven't we seen Kyle Tucker with all the issues that Josh Reddick has been having? That's a lot to chew on. All right, Jeremy, go. <laughs> uh, you know, Toro's a guy that's going to come in and fit in the clubhouse. He fits a need with – and Diaz obviously had some struggles last week, right, as far as health and, and dizziness and some things that went on there. But, um, you know, Toro's going to fit. He's going to help. He's going to – straws back up, right? There's some things that they're going to get from people like that that are role players that can help in a capacity. Um, Tucker, for a couple of reasons, one of them is not his fault. One of One, one of them is – if you think he's an everyday player, which obviously they, he better be, mm-hmm. bringing him up here to sit doesn't help. Secondly, 
And this is a concern, and there's no way around this. He doesn't, I'm not going to say doesn't. He hasn't fit well in the clubhouse with these guys so far. And a team that's that's very comfortable with each other doesn't want to bring somebody in who may sulk or may not hustle or may not compete um, or may have a different agenda than playing his role. And part B of that answer is you don't want to hurt his mental growth if he's not going to get every day at bats. So if you're not comfortable, what you're going to get out of him, right? You don't want to retard his physical development. And also the mental growth doesn't make sense. There's no reason to now I'll just be direct. There's no reason to mess up the clubhouse. And I think that bringing a guy like that into a system who has already had it or been into a clubhouse, that's trying to win a world series who is already not the type of guy that can withstand the pressure to be that answer. We had talked with AJ Reed before not be that answer. Um, it's a concern, and they're doing the right thing by not bringing him up. He needs to stay where he's at, be a better teammate, hustle, show he actually cares about playing baseball instead of just being reliant in AAA, and then maybe he, can, maybe he can get up here. And that has really been one of the concerns when you read about the scouting reports. By the way, I imagine what you just said is a synopsis of opinions that you've gotten throughout the industry. Yeah. Um, I'm painting that with a broad, broad yeah, brush. No, I'm painting but, that with a broad brush. But I've also, I also got, in, in this particular situation, this guy in particular, I've got my own eyes. And he was, he was a high school player when I was cross-checking. And um, I, I, you know, look, his approach offensively against left-handers concerned me. His power first, or it concerned me. I understand why they took him. I understand the offensive ceiling. I'm not arguing that. Ultimately, I don't care how good your tools are. You have to be able to play. And when you're talking about this type of lens, we can prospect ourselves to we're blue in the moon. We we blue in the face and, until until we want to you know go sit in in a nine a planet in a different galaxy and talk about prospect world. And we can do a future that. What are you doing now that says you can play in the big league level? And if you got a team, so JD Drew, remember him? Oh yeah, one former, of the best ever. Former teammate of mine. Um, in 1997, this is I'm backing into this because I'm trying to be very gentle on a player mm-hmm. who's still a young man. Yes. Okay. J.D. Drew, 1996, seven, second pick in the country, Philadelphia Phillies. Remember this? I know where you're going. You're going to the Northern League. Okay. Hold on a second. I'm going to the Northern League. But J.D. did not sign up the Phillies for the reasons are why don't matter today, but it was about, about money. Um, and he, next year, we're playing together. The Cardinals drafted him fifth pick in the country, and they paid him. J.D. shoots through the system. It's 1998. He's in the big leagues by September. What was significant about 1998 away from J.D. Drew is that Mark McGuire was playing first base for the St. Louis Cardinals, and Sammy Sosa was playing right field for the Cubs, and that's the year that they had the home run chase to break Maris's record. McGuire hit 70, right? Sosa hit 66. So J.D. Drew, who had these type of pressures similar to Kyle Tucker he was gonna have to answer no longer had those pressures because Mark McGuire was around him they were a good club it was a great fan base they weren't going to win a world series this is different these guys need this guy to step in and play JD could have go hit 150 and nobody would have cared McGuire was carrying the club if you're Kyle Tucker and you come in here and you hit 150 and you hit one home run and you don't hustle after a ball and you don't make a you're not a great defender anyway and it's just okay defense I can get that from Josh Reddick who's a great clubhouse guy seven dealing with your attitude 
And Jeff Luno is making the right call by keeping him in AAA. And Abraham Toro is another one of those players who you're smiling. Go on. No, no, you go on. I just, I, I just, I, I, I feel like there's a lack of respect for how hard this is to do. It's why when we talk about players like Tony Kemp and, and Tyler White, um, what do you mean, lack of respect in fitting yeah, in, in or the, performing or ev- all of the above? Let, let me add to it. There's a lack of respect for from sometimes from some fans and 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 how hard it is to play in the big leagues, and and it's just really difficult. Man. It's really hard to do. And Tony Kemp and Tyler White, while they're not answers to winning World Series, they're good players. Like they're really good players, and we have to remember that. So you know, I know sometimes I can be hard on the decisions of the organization because that's the job is to evaluate what the organization's doing, top to bottom admit when they're doing well and also say when they're not. But the organization's job is to be a little more humble when it comes to some of the decisions that they're making and why they're making them. And, you know, we talk about the pitching depth and we, and, 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 and some of the lack of depth in the system rather and and decisions that they've made. We talk about anointing a hitter as the, one of the best hitters ever to play. Are you serious? What happens if he doesn't live up to that? What kind of pressure are you putting on a kid already? So, so for me, I'm just, I, I just let's remember that the big leagues is really hard to do and not be screaming for Kyle Tucker just yet. Jordan Alvarez, by comparison, good clubhouse guy, had answered every possible question offensively. You knew he had no defensive position. It's an American League club. You had a spot to put him, right? Um, which, by the way, probably led to some of the trade of Seth Beer. Because if this guy is going to stay and Seth Beer's a DH only, where's his job in Houston now, right? So I, I'm smiling because it's a lot harder to play than just, oh, this guy throws 95 and this guy's got 500-foot power. You have to be able to play the game. You better get along with your teammates. You better fit in. You better have some humility. And the Astros veterans, Verlander across the board, are not going to tolerate that in their clubhouse right now. And A.J. Hinch, who's a manager of the year candidate for me, seemingly every year, not because of the X's and O's, because he handles these guys, um, knows that better than anybody. And also when you think about Kyle Tucker, the fact that he had that phenomenal spring training two springs ago, I think that just elevated expectations even more because that's when we started hearing about the name Ted and the nickname and and the swing and, and the home runs that he was hitting in the spring. But again, that's spring training. No doubt. And I think that that has has added to his, I don't want to say mystique, but I think that's added to his what kind of player Astros fans are dreaming about? Here's what I will say. If the Astros believed he was the answer, he'd be here. That, that I'll tell you. And, and they won't tell you that, and they shouldn't. But I'll tell you that. If they thought Kyle Tucker was the answer to winning a World Series right now, and he was ready, he's here. Alvarez is here. They didn't, you know, after, what was it, like four days after our podcast, he was in the big leagues? You know, they knew. So... Um, these guys are pretty good when it comes to decisions with their own players that they are. And they're pretty good when it comes to decisions in free agency and trades and waiver claims and things like that. And Tucker's their guy. They know him better than anybody, not the scouts from the other clubs. He's their guy. They know him better than anybody. And while you like to see him here, and we thought he'd be here for a long time based on the hype that you hear when you watch him play, there's some issues the kid's got to address and let's let him address them and, and not put him into this pennant race where the city's now going to go south on him or f- even worse he goes south on himself if you really think he's a long-term answer. Moving on now to Abraham Toro. Yeah. Talk about another scouting success, like a pure scouting success. Yeah. I have to believe that 
that's under the territory of Jim Stevenson, who has also found Josh James, who was the signing scout, I think, for Dallas Keuchel, I'm guessing. Giovanni Gallardo. And I think that, wow, I mean, to find a guy like this, and he's done it again, I think that you're all about old school scouting I'm and bitter. new age analytics, right? Yep. I mean, I know some people don't think that, but Salty. you are. Yeah, go ahead. This is just another example of a guy who, speaking of the scout, a guy who who does his job really well, right? Yeah. Um, Jimmy's a good scout, has been for a long time. You know, um, Bobby Heck brought him, oh, shock, shocker. Bobby Heck brought him over from Milwaukee to Houston, um, you know, when he was a scouting director because they worked together in Milwaukee when he had, when he signed Giovanni Gallardo. You know, um, it's part of the Jack Zarensic tree. I'm very thankful to be part of that tree as well. Um, but Bobby has had phenomenal success, not only with people, but with players. And Jim Stevenson is a guy that Bobby hired and brought him to Houston. And, and Bobby's paid dividends for this club, or um, Jim has paid dividends for his club far beyond Bobby's departure, right? Josh James and Toro and guys like that are part of it. Um, you have to have a mix to get it done. Analytics are a deeper insight into player value. That's what they are. Deeper looking player value, different way of looking at it. Um, whether it's an exit velocity, whether it's a launch angle, whether it's a, a, bad, a BABIP, whether it's a OPA, doesn't matter which, it's a deeper look into player value. Why is that relevant? Because players at junior colleges don't have a lot of that competition, don't have a lot of that um, video, don't have a lot of things that people can review. So you're reliant on the scout, and then, of course, you want to augment that with whatever he can find. Now, doesn't mean you're not doing a statistical analysis, but Abraham Toro, Josh James, guys, and that are definitely scouts signs. And you can't build a club on one or the other. You need to have both. So um, as you evolve, you can't just forget. And some people on, 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 in fan bases, not singular, multiple, would have you think that it's all today, it's all analytics. It's not. And some people from who refuse to evolve would think you it's all think it's all naked eye scouting. Well, that ain't the case either because the first thing scouts do when they get in the ballpark, no matter where they are, is pick up a stat sheet. So if it's naked eye scouting, why do you look at the stats, right? If it's only stats, why are you watching the game? So you have to use both. So Jim Stevenson and him particular is an excellent scout and he deserves every credit for fighting for players, for earning his check year in and you're out with producing productive players for this organization. And it's interesting you talk about junior college. The video is is really not readily available for those guys because, listen, Houston, where we're from here, the Houston area has one of the best junior college programs in the country. San right. Jacinto produced Jackson Rutledge, top, top prospect, one of the top arms in all of college baseball. Right. And when I went there to see various players throughout my time you know what do the scouts do when a certain guy comes up or a certain guy's pitching they've got their phones so they need those boots on the ground for situations like that because it's not the sec it's not the acc it's not the pac 10 or the pac 12 excuse me it's sure. not those power conferences where the video is going to be readily available yeah and the, the power conferences give you give you a better or college baseball as a whole gives you a level of talent based on the conference that you can reasonably you know um expect right if you expect a level of talent you can qualify the the, the difficulty of the games they're playing and so that's so stats will have different weighting based on a kid at texas a&m or a kid at ucla or and i'm not i'm not shutting or sliding any no. school when i say this but or a kid at centenary 
right? So it just it, it's going to change. Now, San Jack is one of the best junior colleges in the country. Been very fortunate to have them in my backyard as a as a um, area scout and then a cross checker. I've been very fortunate to have them there because um, man, you can always get a home game. Like it's easy to watch, you know. But correct, and there's somebody who's into arm care and and exit velocities and measurable growth and control and skills and tools and how you develop that and instincts and makeup and 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 really invested in it for players too right they really are and they don't have that so it's a great point so back to the scouting side when you get a guy like jim stevenson he's done that abraham toro is a success story for spending one day in the big leagues josh james huge success story absolutely Let's go into this recent issue from the other night, Justin Verlander and the Detroit Free Press and the Astros media relations staff. The incident, allegedly, is that uh, the Detroit Free Press reporter covers the Tigers, his beat, not allowed in the postgame scrum locker room to hear from Justin Verlander and yeah, I don't even know what to say. Um, I do. Okay. <laughs> I mean, here's the situation. I, I just don't see w- how a player or a team can win based on this. Now, Verlander has sent out a tweet saying that he contacted the free press saying, listen, Here's my reasons why, or excuse me, wanted to contact the free press. The free press never got, the newspaper got back, never got back to him. Correct. And I guess he sent another message to them after this happened and still hasn't heard. So um, I I just don't think it's a good look for a team or a player, regardless of how you feel about that media outlet. I think ultimately, typically, most of the time, it looks worse for the player and the team than it than it does for the media outlet involved yeah the editor of um detroit free press actually commented on verlander's tweet okay didn't see that yeah he he said we haven't heard from you directly so he said we haven't heard from you directly and you know i i don't think justin's lying i think he tried um there's some so there's two things to look at this here Three three angles for me. First of all, in a, in a little bit of an alarming concern, this is the second player this year who's had an issue with one member of the media. Jason Vargas had an issue in New York where he went after, had be restrained by all reports, um, from attacking a reporter. Okay, Verlander, to his credit, said, "I don't even want to see this guy. This guy has done some pretty irresponsible and unethical things, in Justin's opinion, and I don't want him around me." Now. The reality of the situation is if Justin feels that way going into the start, let's let's play devil's advocate. Let's say that doesn't happen. And the guy has access to the clubhouse and he puts a microphone in Justin's face and starts asking questions or saying things to Justin that he doesn't want to hear. It's not like Justin doesn't have history with Detroit in the media. I think he knows them pretty well. Okay. You've now got a potential problem. So what do you do? Well, I think it's incumbent on Justin to just say no comment. No comment. I'm not gonna answer you. I don't want I'm not gonna answer you. No comment. Somebody else, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to deny you being, I just, I'm not going to answer you. You have every right to say, I don't want to talk to you. You know, now from the Astros standpoint, it's a bigger concern to me than the player because the Astros are the organization and the player who is the one who's being quoted 
If he doesn't feel that way, he doesn't want to talk to you, he doesn't have to talk to you. He doesn't have to talk to you. The Astros banned him from the clubhouse. The Astros went along with this. You have been in the media a long time. Mm-hmm. I get my, my job essentially in our dynamic is I get to sit here, I get to say what I want, I get to talk about what I think, and then I get to go home. You, on the other hand, this is what you do. And so for you, who's been in the media, who's covered athletes in baseball and all sports for a long time, um, I'd imagine this one resonated with you a little bit. So what do you got? (laughs) Well, I just said, I don't think it's a, I don't, I I think you're right. I think every player has the right to say, I'm not, no comment, or I'm not going to speak with you today. Right. And again, I think that is probably the better way to handle it. I guess from Justin Verlander's perspective, I imagine he if he did indeed try to reach out or someone reached out on his behalf, I think he was likely trying to head prevent this from being a spectacle. Uh-huh. Um, but again, to, to, to see a picture posted of a reporter being barred that, 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 that's not a good look. So it's what, not a good look. So let's go, let's go back to that. To me, that's on the organization. And I don't think, um, and I don't think that that, um, I don't think that's a, a a bad thing to say. I don't think I'm. I th- I'm. I'm speaking in general terms. I'm not. I think that that's a bad look in general. Terms. Do you, Do you think? I mean, this was a conversation for all people because look, there's a lot of people podcasting. There's people on radio and TV, and and we deal with people all the time. I've dealt with them until recently on the other side of the microphone. Now I'm on this side, right? Um, but we have this thing in the United States called the First Amendment. You know, I got representatives too. I have people that. You know, speak for me and handle contracts for me. And I, I got people on that side and I don't get along with everybody and I'm okay with that. But there's something called the first amendment. And one, some, I, I asked one, one of my reps one time, I said, Hey man, can we do something about this guy? Cause he's really getting on my nerves. And he goes, yeah, that whole first amendment and all, you know, I mean, you can't do anything. So I, I think it's incumbent on the Astros to say, if Justin doesn't want to answer questions from you, he's not going to. And you have to understand that that's part of the risk you take by crossing lines in his opinion. But, hey, Justin, these guys are going to come in the clubhouse. Now, um, we have an issue in general in today with some public perception of media. Some. It doesn't matter where it started or who's banging the drum. It's there. We have this whole term of fake news out there. We have this whole term of people thinking that things are unethical. The people I've come in contact with in my time have pretty much been ethical, you know, for as a whole. And if somebody's not, you can tell them, you just don't talk to them, right? But I think the media has a job to do. I think they have to be granted access. I think if you don't like somebody saying, saying critical things, which is far, the, the comment from, from, um, from Drellich today, Evan Drellich, was far and please read that if you can find it was far more concerning to me than Justin Verlander. And I'm not surprised necessarily with what I know, but it was far more concerning um, because the media has a job to do. And if you don't like somebody being critical of you, then you're in the wrong business. Evan Drellich uh, tweeting out a fun. Did you know from a half a decade ago, the Astros held a meeting with the top two editors at the Houston Chronicle when I was there in an attempt to get me fired. Why? Because I asked about and wrote critical things. And if you don't like that, you're in the wrong business. You're in the wrong business. You have to be able to um, stomach 
what's going on. You have to be able to deal with what's going on. You have to be able to process what's going on, good, bad, or otherwise. Pro sports have the biggest microscope on them in anything in the planet except for maybe the presidency. And even then, I would bet more people pay attention to what's happening with their sports town, sports town, hometown sports team, excuse me, than what's happening in the president of the United States. It touches more people consistently, right? So if that's the case, um, you have to let people say what they want to say. There's people on Astros Twitter who said some things to me that I thought were pretty off base that I didn't want to deal with. But I'm not going to tell you they don't have the right to say it. I just not going to engage. That's that's my choice, right? So um, when it comes to to that, I think the Astros have an epic epic fail on that. You do not ban a reporter. Unless he's been physically violent or personally abusive, you don't ban a reporter for asking questions an athlete doesn't like. You don't give the athlete that much power. You say, Justin, if you don't want to talk to him, don't. Don't. And but, all it, the- but it's hard, I think, uh, and I'm speaking in general terms, I think it's, it's hard. I think the media relations people are put in a tough position because you are representing right some of these guys that are making tens of millions of dollars who are some of the most powerful people in sports and i think that puts them in a tough position that you know that's what this person this star athlete's asking me to do it's my job to make to accommodate them as well as accommodate the press so i think that's also a very difficult position they're put in yeah i i don't disagree with that i think it's a touchy situation all the way around I still think that the Astros, every organization says, unless you have to have, a, first of all, they have to have guidelines as to what gives you access to the clubhouse. And asking questions that are not personally invasive or abusive, um, and, and when somebody hasn't been physically, physically violent, doesn't, there's not really, that's kind of like the two, th- two areas that you would be like, you know, you can't come in here. If you're not going to do that, and I, there's nothing saying this reporter hasn't done it or has done those things. Um, the Astros cannot try to silence people who disagree with them. And, and that, to me, is a bigger concern. But this is where you kind of talk about, and I guess it's a slippery slope, but you kind of talk about you know, the, the thought process in the organization. Scouts, by nature, are disagreeable people because they have opinions. It's an opinion-oriented thing. And what did the Astros do? They fired everybody that, that had an opinion for the Allegedly. most part. Alleg- okay, well, everybody had an opinion. So if you have an opinion and it's not part of groupthink, which groupthink is bad in any industry, it doesn't matter what it is. You gotta have some kind of some kind of discourse, you gotta have some kind of freedom of ideas and exchange because no two human beings are the same. If you're an organization that's fired everybody that has an opinion, well, why wouldn't you then try to ban people from the opinion or from, from the block room that have an opinion or ban people in the media and get them fired for having an opinion? That's a problem because that's censorship. On that note, I think that's all we've got. We've that's got to get out of the me. studio. And, um, oh, we didn't do one of your past scouting reports That's okay. Today. I think some bigger issues happened in the Astros in the last week. That's fine. We'll get to one next time. All right. For Jeremy, I'm Jason. Thanks for listening to Extra Basis.